0: To eat the dream. You have to
1: sleep the dream. You have to dream the dream. You gotta touch, you have to see it when nobody else sees it. You have to feel it when it's not tangible. You have to believe it when you cannot see it. You gotta
0: be possessed with the dream. The dream. that mike tomlin is going to let the same thing happen twice in one season i wouldn't be surprised if they came out and beat the chiefs
1: grant you are in literal crack russ put rudy gobert which by the way is one of the more overrated players in the league i will say number one literally in a body bag that's why they got russ
0: Joe, they got him because they wanted to recreate the 2015 all-star team this team is destined for failure listen they're old but like.
1: You know, I always say it's like a fist fight in a phone booth. Listen, I say it every time we talk about the Giants. If Nate Solder is not walking the streets working a minimum wage job at McDonald's, literally getting big gulped on an hourly basis, there's something wrong with humanity.
0: Are Are you surprised? Dave Gettleman's batting 100 in free agency.
2: I fear no man, I've said this before, if you breathe oxygen, it's fair game, I will come and take you Well, but don't fear nothing.
0: Let me stop you, first off, how many hours of sleep did you get last night? I get my regularly scheduled four. So you're just wasting my time with these mindless takes? Yeah,
1: and if you disagree with that or anything we say on this show, great, what are we tell them. There's always an open seat at the table. Ladies and gentlemen, phone booth on Calm Radio welcome everyone i'm here with my co-host grant sheets uh josh again will be coming a little bit later um so grant where where do you want to do you want to start with the championship weekend that everyone just watched over the weekend or do you want to go somewhere else
0: i think we should start with the championship weekend i mean i went two for two on my picks, so of course i gotta jump in and get my uh Get my two cents in, but now we've got a lot to talk about, so yeah, we can talk about the championship since I guess that's what happened, I guess, closest to our last segment on Thursday.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, we're going to get right to it. Uh, we're going to go in chronological order because I feel like that's, you know, more exciting. Um, Bengals versus Chiefs. Bengals scored on their first three drives, all touchdowns. And then scored a field goal for the entirety of the second half. Bengals come back to win it in overtime. Patrick Mahomes had 55 yards, eight completions, and two interceptions in the second half. Joe Shiesty just went shiesty. Um What was other like? Was it bad quarterback play, or was it just everything?
0: Well, I told you coming into the game that while Patrick Mahomes at his playoff peak was nearly impossible to beat. But then as soon as I saw him going up against the Bengals, I also told you that he met his maker. He met somebody else who could win at that level and just come in and take over a game at any given moment. And I wouldn't say it was bad quarterback play on Patrick Mahomes' behalf, but that Cincinnati defense, we've been saying it all season. In free agency, they let a couple guys go, like William Jackson, and they brought in a ton of budget guys. Trey Hendrickson, Larry Ogunjobi, who obviously didn't play, but B.J. Hill – came in and played a significant role on that defensive line. And then in the secondary, you got Mike Hilden and Shadobi Awuzie, who are both playing fantastic. And I know Eli Apple had his whole scenario with Tyreek Hill after the Mm. game. He got cooked. He got torched. But other members of the secondary, like Jesse Bates, stepped up when they needed to, and that Bengals defense just got the job done. They came in to Arrowhead Stadium, and they stomped on Goliath for a second time this season. I don't really comprehend – you know, I – I came into the playoffs saying that Cincy was going to make it to the Super Bowl just because I thought that they were almost too inexperienced to understand the situation and they were having too much fun. And they came in, and they got the job done. I was a little skeptical of what was going to happen coming into Kansas City. And then, of course, when they got up to that big lead, I was thinking, well, you know, it looks like it's going to be Kansas City in the Super Bowl again. But the Bengals, just like they've been doing all postseason, they stayed cool, they stayed collected and they got the job done, and now they're heading on to the biggest stage.
1: I think, I mean, when, when you said, I I understood the argument that the Bengals were going to beat the Chiefs. When you said in, in the beginning of the playoffs in the wild card round that the Steelers were going to beat the Chiefs, I, I was taken farther than a back. But this <laughs> one, to me, was closer than everyone thought it was, but I don't think that it should have gotten anywhere close and the the reason why is because you saw the first three drives chiefs i mean it's it's far from just predicted the pace and controlled the game they were they were basically dominating on all sides and all facets of the game and defensively offensively special teams even i mean not as much but Three touchdowns, only giving up three points. You're going to halftime with a chance to put it up 24-3. to And right as you decide, apparently the story behind the last play of that uh, the first half was that Patrick Mahomes urged Andy Reid to go for it because he was going to kick the field goal.
0: Yeah, no, I mean, and that's what you'd expect from a quarterback. You want the ball in your hands in a situation like that. And I think if the Chiefs did score that touchdown, undoubtedly would have put the game away.
1: I think if they would go to the field goal there. Even if they over. kicked the
0: field goal there, I still thought, mm-hmm. exactly. You know, that probably could have put the game away. But a play like that can swing the momentum significantly, and especially head right into the half when you already started to feel like, okay, maybe the Bengals do have a chance that they get a stop here. But Tyree Hill was just dominant in that first half. He couldn't – Eli Apple couldn't buy a stop on him. And then they switched looks up a little bit on defense. They started getting a bit more pressure on Mahomes. And they were passing off Tyreek like we've seen with that double safety look earlier throughout the season. And that's really what stopped the Chiefs' offense. That's what slowed them down. And the Bengals' offense got back to character. But it's been this defense the whole postseason. It's been the defense that has saved this team. And then Evan McPherson, they've been playing clean special teams. They just played a clean football game. And even when Burrow threw that pick, the defense came back, bailed him out.
1: Yeah, I, I think the the other story is Patrick Mahomes. I understand that if you want to go for that in that situation, you're in control of the game. You don't think that it's going to, you know, end the game at that point because when you're up by 18 points coming into a half, where you've controlled the entire game, you you legit just destroyed the 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 I mean the doors off that defense. And we were talking to, I, again the names that Grant brought up. I mean, realistically, the only one that really had a bad game on the Bengals' defensive side was Eli Apple in the second half, at least.
0: And he was talking the most after the game as well.
1: Yeah, oh, it, it always goes like that. I mean, that's who <laughs> Eli Apple was. Ever since New York, you get him in uh, in New Orleans, he does the same thing, and then he comes out. He You had the, uh, the I believe, Boston Scott where he he, he, he little man celebrated him and then instantly gets straight up either trucked or burned by him i forget um or was it david montgomery i don't remember he he it was a short receiver that he like little manned and then he got straight up burnt the next play i i just to me it we've been waiting and waiting for the last three years that says the first year when we saw patrick mahomes play he plays like no other QB that we've ever seen. And part of that is the way that he – the success rate that he has in playing hero ball. We've seen it since he started on that on that drive where he went in for Alex Smith. They tra- obviously get rid of Alex Smith. You go into the Super Bowl run. You go into, even before that, the playoff run where D Ford happened. And then – You saw it a little bit in the beginning of the playoffs, in the beginning of the third quarter, and then they come back. Obviously, the Texans uh, playoff game, where they got blown out the water in the first maybe quarter and a half and then reared back for 42 unanswered points. It's just, to me, like we're waiting for this guy to mature. And what I mean is we we give quarterbacks about three to four years to tell us if you're the real deal. And I understand that Patrick Mahomes is obviously the real deal. We're, he's in the conversation of the most skilled QB to ever play the game. But we give QBs such as, I mean, Daniel Jones is on his fourth year. He's he's getting into the point where if he doesn't play next uh, good next year, he's out. Um, we gave Tyrod Taylor maybe two, three years. We gave RG3 after he got injured to come back. We gave him a year and a half. Dwayne Haskins didn't even get a full year. Um, I mean,
0: just. Where are we going here, Joe? What I'm saying uh, is. I understand that you're saying Patrick Mahomes, he's gone back to his hero ball tendencies a little bit, and we saw it last Sunday. But we can't pretend like Patrick Mahomes didn't take this team to the AFC Championship in the first place pretty much single-handedly. After what happened against Buffalo, he came in and drove them nearly half the length of the field in 10 seconds to line up for that game-tying field goal and eventually scoring the touchdown in see, overtime.
1: See, I'm glad you brought that up because this actually goes into my argument. I, I've The reason why I bring up all these uh, quarterbacks is because when we get into the situation where Patrick Mahomes wants to air be a good decision or a bad decision, you want to take the risk and throw it into the end zone. You know it's a mature quarterback that if you have five seconds and you don't have anything in the end zone right away to throw it, out of, throw it over the head out of, out of the back of the end zone and take the three. And we've never seen Patrick Mahomes take those mature plays. And uh, what I'm saying is I don't know. Now, I thought that it was him either way. I don't know if I can distinctively say whether or not we're overrating him because of the weapons that he has, because that entire 13-second drive down the field was methodically to Travis Kelsey and Tyreek Hill, and he basically, Travis Kelsey told Patrick Mahomes what he was going to do, and it went into fruition. So, like, the mental side, 90% of that drive was Travis Kelsey. So I don't know I, – I don't want to say it yet because I feel and I'm on record saying that the drive in the, in, the, in the overtime was methodical by Patrick Mahomes. He didn't really use his weapons that much. Obviously, you know, the back shoulder pass to Travis Kelsey was to one of his great weapons. But, I mean, he threw it to where only Travis Kelsey could get it or any tight end in this league could get away from the defense, and I understand that part, and that part gets me. But I don't understand when we get into these situations late in games, if I can definitively say that without Travis Kelsey, who is the best tight end in the league, and of his, realistically, of the next generation, um, at least top two in his generation, if you want to put him in the same conversation with Gronk, and Tyreek Hill who's top three receiver in the league and the fastest and most agile receiver that we've seen in maybe ever. I don't really know if I can definitively say that.
0: But Patrick Mahomes, are we're starting to take for granted some of the things that he's done. We saw it AFC championship game down three with a little bit of time left. You knew he was at least going to send it to overtime, and for a while it looked like they were going to score that touchdown. Bengals' defense stepped up, and I will say that he did make some of those hero ball mistakes where he's scrambling around in the pocket, nearly sold away the game with that fumble. But just these little things like taking them down the field to at least tie the game up and give his team a chance in overtime, it's these small things. He's a winner. He's proven week in and week out in playoff games that he is going to compete at the highest level when he has his guys. And even if he doesn't, we've seen Mikko Hardman, Byron Pringle, guys like that play significant key roles for this team. And while it does help having Tyree Kale and Travis Kelsey, don't get me wrong, Patrick Mahomes just does these incredible things. You live and die by the hero ball. Some of the stuff that we were seeing when he was under duress in that game, running around in circles behind the line and somehow making a a positive play out of it, you don't get that from any average quarterback. That is a quarterback that will win you Super Bowls and lose you Super Bowls. And we saw him lose this playoff Mm -hmm. game, but it wasn't completely on him. That Bengals defense stepped up. We've seen them step up the past two weeks. They made Ryan Tannehill look horrendous. They made him look like a bottom-five quarterback in the league. I don't think he's tremendous. And then against the Raiders, that goal-line interception to end the game, this Bengals defense has stepped up when they've needed them to. So I'm not putting this all on Patrick Mahomes. He's the one that went down the field and helped them tie up the game in the first place. You're going to live and die by some of the mistakes and decisions that he makes. And while I do think that halftime play – where you know, he threw it short. That probably wasn't the smartest play. He's used to having guys like Tyree Kill and Travis Kelsey at his disposal that make these plays. Look at the overtime game against the Chargers, where he just dumped it off to Kelsey, and Kelsey did the rest for him and won the game. He's used to having that. But if he doesn't have that, if you take away some of these weapons, like, you know, we'll probably see Kelsey age a little bit a couple next uh, next few years. I'll give
1: him, like, two, three, or four. Might
0: regress a little bit in speed. Won't have that same burst to his game somebody else will step up and I guarantee you Mahomes will find a way to make it work just because of his playmaking ability on his own he's got a cannon of an arm he's got the escapability really of like Russell Wilson like we've seen just his ability to move back there in the pocket when things collapse he's ridiculous you're going to have games where he's going to come out and single-handedly win it for you and then games against the Bengals that wasn't even close to on him that last interception I mean they had to make something happen. You could feel the momentum was completely starting to swing. They had that defense that secondary was locking down pretty much anything that did, that the Chiefs attempted. So, you're going to see these moments where he won't be able to come through, but he's the one that got you there in the first place.
1: Yeah, I'm just going to I'm just want to say before we uh we get more opinions on it. Um the the only reason why I fear the defensive argument is because I see what he did or him and his weapons did against the Bills and the number one defense in the league. So my thing is quote like I quote put a
0: number one defense in the league, but they didn't play anything close to it. I
1: I mean, it's 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 the high powered offenses versus they have powered. If you were to tell and, me
0: that they were a bottom 15 defense in the league going into that game, I would have believed you because
2: they played like
1: true. It. Um I'm gonna send it over to Josh. Welcome back, Josh, co-host of the Sin Bin. Whenever the hell you guys actually have the show.
2: We had our show yesterday. We actually were able to get it going. Wow. I know second one of the semester. We're going strong.
1: Yeah, hi, uh, hockey podcast for those who want to tune in on Tuesdays at nine. Is that when? Well, you're now
2: I, at this point, it's basically Wednesdays at nine. We have okay. it's supposed to be Tuesdays at seven thirty, but that never gets done. Got you. All right. So, what do you
1: think? the main factor in the Chiefs-Bengals game was in the second—specifically the second half.
2: Specifically the second half? A mix of uh, Patrick Mahomes playing a bit too much hero ball, like you guys were saying, but I also—I think that Bengals defense really stepped it up, and that Bengals defense has done that the entire playoffs. They did it. They had a goal line stand against the Raiders. They made Ryan Tannehill look bad, like Grant said, and Ryan Tannehill is not a terrible quarterback, but he's not a great quarterback. But if you hold Patrick Mahomes to under 100 passing yards in the second half, the Patrick Mahomes, the guy that we saw in last Super Bowl, even though they lost, he made everything seem possible. He was incredible against the 49ers in that Super Bowl. If you hold him to under 100 passing yards, that is respectable. And if you told me that the Bengals' defense was the one to do that, I would have laughed in your face because I do not trust – those quarterbacks, I especially don't trust Eli Apple. Mm. I don't trust their front their front seven, especially because they had def- they had injuries. B.J. Hill to step in, and he played fantastic. He had an interception, so I think it's a mix of Patrick Mahomes playing a bit too much hero ball. But you could tell that it was getting to him. He was missing easy passes, easy checkdowns. He was overthrowing his receivers. Some of his receivers were dropping passes, so I think the, it got into the mentality. And I think it's a big, it's a lot of stress and a lot of pressure for Kansas City because they are now known as this new dynasty. You know, originally it was the Patriots, and now mm-hmm. immediately everyone is shifting all their hate to the Kansas City, and they're trying to call them a dynasty. And so it's a lot of pressure, but you also have to be able to play under pressure. And it, pr- and it showed that they really couldn't do that against, I would say, a subpar Bengals team. I think mm-hmm. a lot of people would agree that the Bengals really were not expected to win this game. But they played the right way, and they knew exactly what they needed to do to come out with the win.
1: It is it is fair to say that the Patriots have changed the way we think of the word dynasty, because when we talk about dynasties now, we expect you to win not only one or or multiple Super Bowls, we we expect you to win three or four now. And what, when you got into the dynasties of of early early NFL, you had the beginning in the Packers, where they won about four, I believe, four in six years. Um, then you get the Cowboys in their reign in the 90s. You had the Giants, who only won two. You had, uh, I mean, the Steelers throughout Babe Be- Ben's career, and they only got two in the beginning of his career. Um, so now when you come into the Chiefs we expect you to not only be in the AFC championship game at least every year we expect you to win multiple championships and admittedly um you know they 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 were in the AFC championship for the last three years so we can't say that it's not a dynasty at this point but it kind of changed the way that we look at it I mean this isn't going to be the last time that we that we talk about that game because we can say if the if the Rams come out in a bad stint with, you know, the Bengals, we can say, oh well. I mean, if if the Bengals are getting off to this hot start against the Rams, what what could have happened if it was the Chiefs? Um, and I'm gonna go right into the second game, uh, Rams and 49ers again. Another, I feel like the last six playoff games are all, you know. Comebacks from from deep down, last minute field goals, and last minute drives, and I think half of them, if not like four to six of them, were from the underdog. Um, obviously, this one wasn't, but the Rams and the 49ers faced off. Uh, Rams obviously came back with the game winning field goal um, from down ten. Um, the 49ers were in talks for the last couple of off-seasons to not retain Jimmy, Jimmy G. What do you like, – if you're the 49ers, do you keep him or do you try to move on to the, to the backup that you have?
0: Absolutely not. I say you move on from him immediately. Jimmy Garoppolo has been the one key holding this team back for the past few years. He's had his moments. That whole Super Bowl run a couple of years ago, he was solid. He's what you expected. He's a game manager. He comes in, he distributes the ball to his weapons. Got Debo Samuel, George Kittle. But at this point, he's the one piece that's holding this team back. This is an elite team. The secondary could use a little bit of work, but they've got weapons on both sides of the ball. The front seven is ridiculous. Those linebackers were flying around the field and pretty much kept the Niners in that game. If it weren't for Jimmy Garoppolo and his inefficiencies throughout that game, The Niners probably would have won by two, three possessions because the Rams' offense was off to a slow, slow start. But it was just these third-down passes that Garoppolo was missing, these key throws that he had to make, he wasn't making them. And this is the guy that Jimmy Garoppolo's been. Don't get me wrong, he pretty much led them to this point in the first place. He was hurt. He was banged up for a good majority of the season. But that second half, we saw him playing efficient football which is what you're going to get out of him. You're not going to get a Tom Brady out of Jimmy Garoppolo, but you're going to get a guy who can win football games when he's efficient, when you give him time in the pocket, which they did. Trent Williams is a fantastic left tackle, so he didn't really have to worry about the blind side. But it was just these key moments, these big throws that he had to make, and he didn't. And that's what you knew you were going to get out of Jimmy Garoppolo. He's not – He's not going to make any special plays, any wow plays. And when you hold Debo Samuel to 26 rushing yards and a pretty limited attack in the passing games with just four catches, it's all on Jimmy G. And when you ask too much of him, he's not going to respond. That's what we saw. It's time to move on and see what Trey Lance can do, considering that you really spent a lot to get up to get him. So it's time to see what he can do. If he doesn't work out, then move on. But all I know is Jimmy Garoppolo is not going to get it done.
2: I completely agree. I mean, we've – so I originally – we all saw this in that Super Bowl where I can't remember who it was that he overthrew by about five yards, a wide-open receiver with, like, three minutes left in the Chiefs 49ers Super Bowl. He overthrew him by a solid five yards, and that would have Mm -hmm. won them the game. And, I mean, we saw it again on Sunday against the Rams. You know, he only had 16 completions out of 30 attempts. Like, that's not good at all. And when the game comes down to the wire, instead of just taking the sack to make it, I think it would have been either third or fourth down, but you still have time, he just throws the ball up in there and hopes for the best, and it gets picked off, and that's the game right there. He doesn't make smart plays. When he has open receivers, he either underthrows or overthrows them. He's a game manager, like Grant says. He's not a quarterback that's going to lead you. I mean, he led a team to a Super Bowl appearance. He's not going to lead you to a Super Bowl ring. There's no way he will. No offense to Jimmy G, but he's just not going to do it. And if you're gonna spend, if you're gonna spend a lot to go get Trey Lance, you could have used him more in the regular season. Would have liked to see that. I get that you're not gonna use him in the playoffs, but I think you gotta move on from Jimmy G. There's no reason to keep him after this season.
1: See, I agree, but the thing is, I think that G- I thought that Jimmy G. should already have a ring, because again, I think that he choked away the Super Bowl against the Chiefs, being up by ten with seven minutes left in the third. So
0: that was poor game management. Then, it was. It was poor game management. management. That was it. That that
1: is that a th- That is a concern. But it, I would say that it was fifty-fifty, at least. Um, and to go into Jimmy G is one thing. I mean, Bill Belichick thought that he was Tom Brady's next predecessor, predecessor, because I mean, look at what he's doing with Mac Jones, and I don't really know if he would have had the success that he's having. Um, if not for Bill Belichick, and I I could go the same thing. I don't know if it would have been different for Jimmy G if he was still on the Patriots and they moved on from Tom Brady a year or two before they actually did. I don't know. What I can think is that I don't think Jimmy G is the answer in San Francisco, but I don't know if Trey Lance is either because I don't think that the 49ers think that he's the answer oh either. it's
0: so early to tell way 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 too early we barely even saw him this year we saw him and very little
1: well even I am think, we just thinking him. that if they if they thought for the last two years that they were going to get rid of Jimmy G and then kept putting in Jimmy G like what are you what are you waiting for if you're if you think the, that Trey Lance he's is not
2: the guy ready at the time why? if he's, you're gonna spend like a top five pick on Trey Lance you have to you're gonna assume that your front office and your team thinks that he's the next big thing or that That's he's a true. big deal you can't move on from him. we haven't seen him yet and this 49ers team is still built for at least a couple more years to be very competitive they don't mm. have they're not like they're this not like a super the Super Bowl contender well, I mean, they're, they're a, super quarterback. Con- well, with I mean, a good yes. quarterback they're an easy Super Bowl contender I mean, they but they don't it have the a the NFC
0: championship with a, would say top 20 quarterback I wouldn't put Garoppolo anything above 1920 in the league but you drafted Trey Lance knowing that he was going to be a project. He came from North Dakota State. That's not They weren't playing huge competition there. But what he did show there is he's got a rocket arm, he's got legs, he's big, he's got poise in the pocket, shape up his footwork and work on some things, some NFL scheme things, and he's ready. But he didn't show this year that he's ready because it's a huge transition from where he was at all the way to the NFL level and to be successful – you don't do that overnight. They drafted him knowing him that he was going to be a project player. And he showed flashes in the games that we saw. He wasn't efficient, but he showed that he's I mean, did he? a, a dual threat on it. Yeah, he did. Yeah, he did. And they did show honest. that he
1: was a dual threat. I will give you that.
0: Don't, you can't look at the numbers and ask if he showed us anything. You've got to look at what he did during the game. He moved around in the pocket very well. He ran very well. Cannon of an arm. Refined some things and work on some scheme things with him and build that offense around him and what he can do, and this Niners team could be very good. Because I, they've already got a good offensive line, tr- and you've got is, a really is, good running that game true. that fits exactly what he needs.
1: I think that they need another running back other than, I mean, basically their their running back is their receiver right now. Well, so if, I,
2: Elijah Mitchell is that that pretty solid. And they got Trey Sermon, is,
0: Sermon, too. Trey Sermon and was Trey Sermon's, Sermon's really here. good, too. Yeah. If
2: you have Trey Lance and Debo Samuel and Elijah Mitchell – possibly all three of them as really good running threats. That's a problem for they, a defense. What to they deal need
0: with. they've catered this team to Jimmy Garoppolo's strengths, which is just check down yeah, kind of a West yeah. Coast quarterback thing. But that's very ca- good to
1: have a receiver or running back for yes, a check down guy. It,
0: it, exactly. Debo Samuel, you ask him to do anything and he'll do it at a very high level. Mm-hmm. What you need to do is start building this team around Lance. Get him another deep threat because if you get if you got a guy that can run downfield, maybe like a um Oh, man, Jalen Guyton for the Chargers would be a good fit. He's going to be a free agent this year. Pretty much solely a deep threat for Justin Herbert last year. That's a guy that could space out the field. You get even more spacing for George Kittle and Debo Samuel, and that offense could be electric. But the reason why they don't have you know, a whole lot of deep threats is because they've catered the offense to Jimmy Garoppolo, check down dink and dunk football. If you ask Debo Samuel to be a deep threat guy, sure he can. He's electric. He's got great speed. Brandon Ayuk's pretty solid, but he's not a guy that's going to burn you Mm -hmm. over the top. So if you start to build this offense and shape things around Trey Lance, he's the future. Jimmy Garoppolo, he's got to be gone this offseason. They're already talking about trade locations. He spoke, you know, he wants to go to a contender. So it looks like they're definitely moving on. But what you got to do is just start to build things around Trey Lance and show him you know, that you have full faith in him and that he is the future. There's no other guy.
1: I mean the only reason why I'm a little bit weary and I understand that this is gonna be out there because of the difference between the skill level and what the starting starting quarterback right now is, but it seemed to me in the in the sense of how the organization seems to be handling the both of them, that it feels like another Jordan Love Green Bay thing. Because Green Bay, I mean, I understand that Green Bay has Aaron Rodgers. You're not going to take Aaron Rodgers out if he's still on your roster. But the thing is, when we get into a situation where Aaron Rodgers was hesitant to come back, you didn't know whether or not that he was going to be a Green Bay Packer this year until he came out with the last dance thing. You still don't know if he's going to play for the Packers this year. I don't think so. And when you went into a whole thing where it's like you're hesitant to play Jordan Love, Because you don't know if Jordan Love has what it takes to overtake Aaron. I mean, I guess it's another thing of trying to take over Aaron Rodgers' spot because it's different than taking over Jimmy G's spot. But, I mean, or if you want to go back in the rings, Brock Osweiler or Colin
2: Kaepernick. So I just think they're trying to ease him into the role. You don't want to throw a guy that's from North Dakota State immediately in.
0: Not everybody can be a Patrick Everyone can be a Patrick Mahomes. And
2: here's the thing. People were saying similar things about Josh Allen coming out of Wyoming that, you know, it's a massive it's a massive uh, skill difference. It's just a massive jump. Same
1: thing with—I mean, it, this is in the making, but the same thing with Daniel Jones at a Duke because Duke is not a football school.
2: Exactly, and we're yet to see. I mean, granted, the Giants just signed a new offensive coordinator, and so we'll have to see if he can actually, mm-hmm. you know, step up. But that's the thing. I'm not saying that Trey Lance is a Josh Allen because Josh Allen is— a remarkable player, and he's in his own little kind of bubble. He's not. The we weren't greatest. sure if
0: Josh Allen was going to be all that good, though. We weren't, because after his, after his
2: rookie season, he lo- he was looking really shaky, and then mm-hmm. he immediately came back and proved all the doubters wrong. If I need, I, I want Trey Lance to have a full season to himself as a starting quarterback, possibly a second one, as a starting quarterback, and then you go from there. I think they I think they played this perfectly. I think you knew. I think there were inklings that Jimmy Gar- that they knew Jimmy Garoppolo was not going to take them. Mm-hmm. to a super bowl champion to a super bowl ring because they spe- because they traded up and they got this pick and they spent it on a risky player a guy with high risk but very very high reward mm-hmm. and that's the thing i think he could easily very well be the guy i think they played this perfectly because now if you want to you can bring in a veteran quarterback in the off season for like a year maybe help him you know build his game gain a little confidence learn from someone and it's, you're still going to be competitive. This team, with a good quarterback, like Grant said, is easily a Super Bowl contender. They made it. They were three points away, or I guess four points away, from, a, from making a Super Bowl. I think they're more
1: than three points. I think they're a tart tard interception only. They're, yeah, yeah, they're
2: one drop interception away. From basically making a Super Bowl with a subpar quarterback, mm-hmm. a injured – I still – Slightly injured Debo Samuel and a slightly injured Nick uh, Joey Boza or Nick Boza. Nick sorry. Boston. So, if you have a fully healthy team with a competitive quarterback and a good quarterback, they're easily back in the Super Bowl. There's no question. Mm-hmm. And I, I think Tra- I think Trey Lance could be that guy. It, again, it's way too early to tell. He barely played this year. I do think that Trey Lance's uh,
1: his floor. I think is Teddy Bridgewater post injury.
0: Oh man, now. Come on. Teddy Bridgewater's had a noodle of an arm for years. No,
1: no, no. I'm saying floor because Just it's high, it's low floor, high. Look, ceiling. But okay. can already, I'm saying his highest ceiling okay. is Russell Wilson.
0: I, I, I'd say oh, man. Um like, highest ceiling? I would say no, okay, my, player comparison-wise, no. I'd say ceiling Josh Allen and floor Let's go for Oh man, I'm trying to think of a guy that we could compare him to. Somebody mobile with a rocket of an arm. Maybe Colin Kaepernick when he started to fall off. Mm. Like when we saw him really, really low and he was just ineffective, inefficient, tossing picks left and right. That's kind of what I see out of the floor of Trey Lance. Or but, like
2: first-year Kyler Murray, because Kyler Murray was pretty was pretty he, mediocre. He showed flashes. He showed
0: a lot of flashes. But the thing is with Trey Lance is if we continue to see what we saw this year, and maybe some factors don't say the same, like that offensive line regresses a little bit if they need to spend more money on re-signing big-name guys, then we could definitely see more of a Colin Kaepernick mm-hmm. out of him just because some of those throws that we saw when we got some action, it just a little off. And that also comes with chemistry, building chemistry, building timing, and getting in with these first-team guys and building first-team reps. There's a lot of factors that play into it, but we need to realize – That this is the normal when it comes to drafting a quarterback. It's just over the past few years, we've seen a lot of guys who've been forced into starting right away. Jets with Zach Wilson, Trevor Lawrence with the Jags. A lot of rookie quarterbacks, it's normal for them to sit a year or two on the bench to start to develop. And it's a different situation in Green Bay because you said it yourself, Joe, as long as Aaron Rodgers is there, he's the guy. You're the one that you're catering Mm -hmm. to. You're the one who you listen to for pretty much anything because – at his best. I mean, he's the best player in football. Mm-hmm. But when you've got a situation like Trey Lance where you can afford to keep him on the bench for a little, then you do it. But if Jimmy Garoppolo proves that he can't get it done on the big stage, which he just did, then I wouldn't say you're in a rush to get Trey Lance in there, but you're definitely, the pressure's starting to pick up, and the Niners have identified that, and that's why Jimmy Garoppolo is going to be on his way out.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Speaking of Colin Kaepernick... Because
1: uh, for time's sake, we're going to move on to the massive amounts of talking points that we have. I was told that we are okay with talking about this, correct? Yes. Okay. Oh, the Brian like, Yeah. Oh, yes. Um, just because it's a it's a. Uh, – we're not going to – I'm not – again, I'm not a, a politics guy. I actually just nine times out of ten stay out of that room. But if this is something that you can't gloss over. I don't want to get into the logistics of it because I don't know a lot of the facts. We basically really only know one side of it, and I don't really want to talk about the argument that he has because, again, I feel like some of the argument is there, some of the argument is not. We're going to talk about the logistic football side of it because that's what we are expertise is in, and it's also what this show is about. Um, But... To get right into it. Brian Flores. I, I mean, we all know what Colin Kaepernick I mean embodied. So this is a this is a different uh position on a football team, but it, it, it goes in the same thing. Brian Flores is suing the NFL along with three teams who are the Miami Dolphins, who he was formerly the head coach of from 2019 to this past offseason. The Giants, who was interviewing and was a very, uh, I mean, top two candidate for their head coaching job. And uh, the Denver Broncos, who, again, was a, a very big candidate for their head coaching job, for racial discrimination. And the the 53-page the uh, lawsuit states the following. The Giants had already chose their guy before Flores interviewed with them, about three or four days before because Bill Belichick accidentally texted the wrong Brian because Brian Dable and Brian Flores both worked for Bill Belichick. He tried to congratulate them, only uh, saved them as Brian or whatever in his phone, texted the wrong guy, went through all that three days before. Like, congratulate him for getting the job three days before he interviewed for it. Um, The other thing was that the Broncos, John Elway, and the ownership and the – the staff up there, that interview him showed up hungover and about an hour late to the interview. So it's basically saying that it wasn't an actual interview. Um, stated that the Dolphins' ownership asked him to violate NFL rules to tamper in an attempt to lure Tom Brady to Miami back when he was leaving the Patriots. Um... He also said that the Dolphins were paying him $100,000 in 2019 in the taking for Tua movement. It was an actual thing apparently because he was getting $100,000 to lose games. Hugh Jackson also came out who was a former coach of the Cleveland Browns said the same exact thing except he was getting paid 50000 So I guess Miami Dolphins' loss is more valuable. And he was stating – Using the Rooney Rule as a a sort of "quote unquote" check the box, I did it. I don't actually have to hire you, nor am I going to. I'm just going to use your interview to check off the two that I need. What I want to know, first off, what is your your reaction to it? And then, uh, what I really want to know, as uh, I mean, in this first block about it, is. Does he still find a coaching job? Because Colin Kaepernick is still out of the league because many think of what he tried to do.
2: So, we were talking about this on our way out of class earlier today about if he would get a job. I hope he does because this would be a lot different. This would be a lot different conversation if Brian Flores hadn't proved himself as a good coach because he did fantastic with a mediocre Miami squad. I mean, he gave them back to back winning seasons for the first time in God knows how long. And he's a good head coach. I do think he still gets a job. It depends on where. There are rumors that the Texans still have him as one of their top guys. I think he'd be a great and fit. And he,
1: he wants to lure Deshaun Watson wherever he goes. So that just makes it
2: easier. That makes it easier for him. That's the one thing that I'm against with Brian Flores is the whole Deshaun Watson thing. That's a different story. If there is truth to the water here, then this is a really big issue for the NFL as well. I still think that Brian Flores will get a job. I'm, I'm assuming it'll probably be Houston. I think he could be a pretty decent fit in Houston with the Texans. I don't want to see a similar situation with Colin Kaepernick where he just never coaches or never is in the league again because Colin Kaepernick was still a good quarterback, or he was a decent quarterback when he basically got kicked out, not necessarily kicked out of the league, but no one would pick him up. And there were teams that desperately needed quarterback help and there's plenty of teams that need head coaching help, and Brian Flores is that guy, or he could be that guy. I mean, I pr- I'm i praying that he gets a job because he's a really good coach, and I have a lot of respect for him after what he did with Miami. But, I mean, at this point, just time will tell.
0: Yeah, and it, as far as it goes with this lawsuit, if everything does indeed pan down to be true, it just shows. Like you said, there's a lot of problems going on right now at the NFL. I think the Rooney rule in general has a lot of flaws because – well, it's supposed to do the opposite. It's forcing ownership to look at skin color rather than qualifications for a job. Right. It's supposed to do the opposite. But now it's come to the point where it almost seems like, like I said, if this does pan out to be true, where owners are just going and checking off a box now rather than looking at the ab- you know, the actual qualities of, of a coach. It seems like the Giants were pretty much set with Shon, considering – or no, sorry, they hired Shon, So it looked like they were set with Dayball. So – Why even bring in Flores if it does pan out that, you know, besides checking a box, there was no reason for them to bring him in. So it just goes to show that this rule has its flaws. But Flores should be treated like a top candidate. I can see why it would be difficult for him to get another head coaching job right away because, like you said, the whole Watson situation. He's directly connected to Deshaun Watson. Watson has his controversies. And we know that Flores is a guy who... He wants power at the head coaching spot. He wants a lot of roster management stuff. That's a lot to take on as an owner, as a GM, to go ahead and hire a guy that you know is going to want his roster to look a certain way and his players to play a certain way. We said, or we saw in Miami that he told Tua to his face that they shouldn't have drafted him. While I I personally believe that it's a great quality to have of a coach to be very upfront with his players and to not, you know, go ahead and say, that, that's stuff a on. little bit too far. See, that's what some people might think, but you don't want them going and dodging stuff, right? You want a coach to be straight up with you about what you need to do better and what you are doing good. So for a head coach to have these qualities, I value that. But I could see why some owners might not, because it can create problems. You might have players, you know, talking about each other in the locker room or whatnot, saying uh, what happened with this? What happened with that? Flores said that Tua isn't our guy. It creates a lot of problems. But at the same time, you saw what he did with this Dolphins team. Tua was hurt. They had a backup quarterback in. They had a terrible record, one win, and I believe, what, seven or eight losses at the time? And then they go They're and they win and eight seven, out yeah. of their last nine. Mm-hmm. That's incredible. They're the first team to ever do that. So you have to look immediately at who's coaching that team. It's Brian Flores. And Brian, Brian Flores is a clear leader. It's just he has a very old-school old school style of coaching, hard-nosed, and he's going to tell you what you need to be better at right mm-hmm. to your face. He's not going to sugarcoat it. So I can see why he might need to go back through the cycle where he'll be a coordinator for a minute and then come back and get a head coaching job. But I do think that some of these teams that need a full-on rebuild, they should be looking right at him because he's a guy that can take your team – no matter what point you are. We saw with Miami. They were horrible a couple of years ago. Mm-hmm. Turned them around immediately and basically made that defense a very respectable unit and still managed to win games with a struggling Tua at quarterback. This is exactly what a rebuilding team needs yeah. at head coach.
1: I, I just want to go into, before I get to the second underlying topic of this conversation, is I feel like the I'm going to play the middle because I feel like I don't know enough about either side to take a side and I don't really want to oh, take a side yeah here's what I'm going to do I understand that the processes of hiring the head coach the way that both teams did it is unacceptable on each end I understand because you're, you're set to interview and give everyone a fair shot. You're not supposed to interview people just for the sake of interviewing them. You're not supposed to choose a guy before you start interviewing and then just lead people on thinking that, you know, because there was reports saying that Brian Flores was the guy ever since the wildcard round started. So when you get into a position where you choose a guy to go into – You know, an organization such as the New York Giants, such as the Denver Broncos. It's just and then to ultimately wrongfully get fired by the Dolphins. I understand where where the argument is there. And I understand that the race thing with the Rooney rule is unacceptable. When when it was instituted in 2003, there were three African-American head coaches. The most that we've had was about eight at one time, including coordinators at one time. Now it's back to one. It was two last year because you had, uh, I mean, at one point you had um, Todd Bowles and then Mike Tomlin, and Mike Tomlin's the only one that really has, you know, that solidified job. And then you had Brian Flores and, and Mike Tomlin. Now you go into an instance where, you know, the Rooney Rolls almost 20 years old, and it's not really helping that much at all. I understand the argument. Here's why I don't think, and to, to come to the defense of at least one of the teams, because I don't think that the Broncos were, I don't think that they were mo- racially motivated in their practices to come an hour late. I just think they're stupid. And that's unacceptable.
2: They're a really poor... It was
1: just rich. an unprofessional. Yes, yes. it's act. unprofessional. I don't think it was racially motivated. I exactly. But I do I think if, that it was yeah. unprofessional.
0: I don't know if they looked at the situation. You know, I don't know what their beliefs are and whatnot. But it does seem like they were checking a box. Yes. Like you said, may or may not have been racially motivated. But that still, part might have been. That's racially ab- motivated. absolutely unprofessional mm-hmm. on their yes. behalf. The you sec- can't do that. Yeah.
1: The second part is, I don't think the Miami Dolphins firing him. Although it is a, the most argument that he has on the basis of race to not give him the fair shot that other, you know, non-African-American coaches get, I would understand that argument. But them firing, I just think, again, they're stupid because that we all shook our heads Well, because any, they have two, team- two winning seasons in a row where you don't make the playoffs. And since you don't make the playoffs... Number one, you paid him the first year to lose. So losing in 2019 makes no sense because you literally paid him to do that. And then 2020 and 2021, on fluke years where you win 10 games and don't make it to the playoffs because the AFC was nuts. And then another year where you start off 0 7, come back from it, have a winning season after starting 1 in I think it was 1, one in and 7. 1 7, yeah. One in yeah. Seven. And then coming back and winning seven games in a row to finish with nine wins, I believe, and then have, an, uh, again, another winning season. To get fired on that is just despicable. But I don't think that that's racially biased either. I think the other one was the one that was the least emotionally motivated. And I think, I mean, you could call me again a fan of this team. I I will throw out my bias out there right now. But uh, the reason why I do not think that the Giants were racially motivated, and I understand that they've never had an African-American head coach ever, and they were the last organization to start an African-American quarterback, and it took until when they benched Eli for Geno Smith to do it. I understand all that. There was also whether or not they chose Daniel Jones because he was white and not Dwayne Haskins because he was African-American. I don't know. Here's the thing. When, when you come into a position where the problem that you have with the New York Giants is that they hired the guy who was air beat white for the job before you got it because you got a text from Bill Belichick. I don't know why Bill Belichick knows or has control over everything we do as an organization because he basically co-signed on Pat Shermer and Joe Judge for us. So I don't know why he's there. But the thing was is his problem was that they hired the guy before. My argument would be that that's not racially motivated. We have just decided as an organization to take the Bills organization and push it down south. We hire their assistant GM. We just hired their QB coach as our QB coach. You have their offensive coordinator, now your head coach. And as the assistant GM comes in, who do you want as a – If you already have the agenda, and it's clear that the agenda is bringing everyone from at least the offensive side of the ball from Buffalo over to the New York Giants. And it's not a coincidence that the only two coaches out of Leslie Frazier, Brian Flores, Patrick Graham, Dan Quinn, and Lou Anarumo was the only two that got a second interview for the head coaching job of the New York Giants was Leslie Frazier and Brian DeBolt. Where were they from? The offensive and defensive coordinators of the Buffalo Bills. So, and he also said that, that he was, when he was given it, it was three days before his interview, four days before his interview. You would imagine that's when they made the decision because Bill Belichick wasn't just going to find out the day of. Um, that day, they requested, interview, uh, requested access to interview Dan Quinn. Who is white? Then they interviewed Leslie Frazier Afterwards, then Patrick Graham. Then DeBole again, and then Patrick Graham, and then Lou Lou and Aruma was earlier. But what I'm saying is, you're you're just che- if, if you're just there to check the boxes and you already have your guy, then you could say that about every one of them, just just to play devil's advocate. Now I do I do understand, and I love I love the fact that Patrick uh, I mean Patrick Patrick Graham. Is the one that's doing it because he has a motive now and a platform and a reason because right now he got wrongfully fired and now he's doing it. I had a problem with Colin Kaepernick the way that he did it because he got benched on the 49ers and then used that platform that he grew before he got benched to say, well, now I'm not in the spotlight. Let me use the race thing. And I took that as you are taking a problem that needs to be addressed and pushing yourself to the forefront because you're not a starting quarterback in the league anymore. I, I, I yeah. took that as disrespectful to the message that he was trying to bring. Now that you have Patrick Graham who was wrongfully fired for reasons we cannot get into, I love that he is the guy now to push the message that obviously needs to be pushed. That's I, I think that that's great for not only the league and African American coaches, but the future of basically the culture that surrounds sports. I think that part of it is great. But I don't know necessarily in the lawsuits if he has merit on the teams. The one with the NFL goes far beyond any of the teams, and I believe he does have a great stand in what that will, and I do believe that it will bring reform to how coaching hirings are done and how the Rooney Rule is in place, and it will change the way that organizations look at African-American head coaches. But to say to, to sue the teams that were just kind of stupid and air be it wrongfully hired a guy before they interviewed you then another shows up late to the meeting hungover and then h- fires you after you've done everything you can for that organization i i don't know if it's necessarily racially motivated in that stint but i do love that he's right now in his situation the forefront of that of that movement
0: yeah definitely i mean i think the whole nfl lawsuit there's definitely going to be some great takeaways from there i think there's going to be some change for sure but then going along with these organizations Whether it's racially motivated or not, we won't be able to tell. It's one man against multi-million dollar organizations. You know, they'll probably be able to pull what they can to see what happens. I don't know. We'll see. But regardless, these teams are missing out on a great coaching candidate. I mean, look at the Dolphins. What are they doing? You think that you can fire Flores and get an upgrade with Kellen Moore, who is their leading candidate right now? That's ridiculous. Kellen Moore was horrendous in Dallas. I don't even know why he's getting coaching looks. So I'd agree. I think these organizations are just making a dumb move by looking beyond Brian Flores, especially the ones like Houston. Houston would be a perfect spot because that's, I guess, a last-ditch effort to get a top 10, maybe even top 5 quarterback when he's playing back in the roster with Deshaun Watson. You hire him, and there's probably immediate interest for Watson to try to come back to the organization because he likes Flores. Flores likes him. And it's pretty much Miami 2.0, where you're given a roster that has uh, mediocre talent, mediocre to very poor talent, and see what he can do. Give him the power, give him roster control, and see what happens. He might just turn it around. So, for teams to be passing up on Flores, I don't understand it, but he won't be out of a job for very long.
1: Yeah, and I also just want to say before I give Josh another crack at his opinions on it, I do think that... Debo was, or or Dable was, the right man for that job because I want, I I mean, if that's what you know, Sean wants to come in and do is bring the bills to his organization, work with people that he knows. That's fine, and I also wanted an offensive coach to try to build Daniel Jones so that we keep the two picks that we have in the top 10 to use for O-linemen to see if Daniel Jones is actually good and if Saquon Barkley is actually as good as his rookie year predecessors if he has an O-line. And with Patrick Graham saying that he wants to bring Deshaun Watson, who I don't even know if he's going to be able to play, when he comes on a new team because he's technically not suspended, but I don't know if that's just because the league knew that he wasn't going to play if he was still on the Texans' roster. I don't know, and I don't really know if I want to deal with trading two picks, maybe a third for next year. There's a lot that comes. Yeah, and then to to come in and to do uh, the Deshaun Watson in New York. And the other thing is, I don't I don't hate the the hire of Brian uh, Dable on the New York Giants, and I don't necessarily dislike the Nathaniel Hackett signing with the Broncos. I just think that the way that they did it was deplorable and unacceptable. Yeah.
0: The way they did it was scummy, but the actual turnout with these hires, I think, are very good organizational fits. For once, I actually agree with what the Giants are doing. I think they're actually going in a very good direction right now, and probably the brightest that their outlook has, has seemed in the past ten ha- half decade, years, maybe yeah. full decade right now because they're bringing in guys who have come from a winning organization and there's fits. There's scheme fits with what they're doing. It looks like they're trying to go in and potentially save Daniel Jones mm-hmm. from a very rough start to his career by bringing in guys that worked with a project yeah. quarterback. And it's so, it's
1: it's not even it's not even coming from a winning organization. It's people for who were there for multiple years on a losing organization that when they came in and changed stuff turned it into a winning organization. Exactly. They
0: built it from the ground up, mm-hmm. which is what I, I love that they hired him because I think for you to come in and construct a winning organization, you have to know what that implies. You have to know what, with what that comes with. You can't come in and hire a guy that hasn't seen at least a, a glimmer of an AFC championship or something and expect for them to come in and implement a whole new culture right away. Mm-hmm. They brought in guys who have been winning for the past few years, who've been right there with the Kansas City Chiefs at the top of the AFC, and guys that can come in and might be able to do it again. And that's why the Bears brought in Ryan Poles from the Chiefs because mm-hmm. he's a winner. Yeah. So, there's a lot that comes with this whole situation, but I think the fire or the hires so far for these new um head coaching candidates. I agree with most of them.
1: I look at the Raiders and Josh McDaniels.
0: Yeah. I, I'm still iffy on that one. We'll see. Mm-hmm. I do believe that he eventually deserved a new position. I think that Rick, Rick Passaccia should have gotten that job. I mm-hmm. think he should have stayed there. So do I, but that's a whole different situation. I don't know if Brian Flores would have been a fit there in the first place, but regardless, he's not going to be out of a job. Whether he has to go through the whole coordinator cycle again, we'll have to see, but he's definitely going to be a head coach in the near future. Again
2: mm-hmm. soon. No, I completely agree. I mean the only so the only thing is that I don't know if I completely believe that the only reason that the Dolphins fired Brian Flores was because he didn't agree that Tua was gonna be the guy. That mm-hmm. seems like a that seems like a very tiny thing. I mean, granted, the There quarterback, was a power struggle though. There was a big yes. power struggle, but there was, was a, also things that he didn't work well with these, his roster. But here's like, the thing, he was a, but he brought your team from that the basement. Is fair. I don't think he should have been get, fired at all. He should not have been fired. He absolutely not. And I think if he's go, I think he's going to get hired. I think where he goes will most likely either be Houston or possibly with the Saints in New Orleans. Mm. But I mean That would be a good one. That would he's be gotta deal one. with Cap Hell though. Um, if I'm a head coach,
0: whoever, I do
1: I don't wanna touch New Orleans. Whoever I don't,
0: gets hired by New Orleans is gonna they're gonna be in for a rough yeah, Because yeah. 'Cause you've got to handle the Mike Thomas situation. You've got no quarterback under contract except for Taysom Hill, mm-hmm. and I don't think he's a franchise quarterback. He's a gadget. If you player.
1: sign him back, you got to deal with Jameis uh, Jameis Winston. Thirty for thirty. I don't
0: even know if they can afford him. True. I mean, and well, the, I this don't is know just, if they can afford Kamara, well,
2: Thomas, and Jordan. That's true. They they really they're so over Camara the cap. And the Texans are completely different. Yeah. You know, hellhole as it is nothing. right now, they've got nothing. They've completely blown up their team. You've and, got
0: yeah, McNair up there. He's had his issues with racial allegations. Yep. Yeah, it was just it's something that came out the other day about him. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, I mean, They're I th- I'm praying
2: he gets another job because he's a damn good coach yep. and he really deserves to be on an on an NFL squad. I just I, I hope there's no fallout for specifically for Brian Flores. So, uh, so do I for this because and I
1: really ho- I, I I like I said I really love that. With his situation that's surrounding it, with the bad conduct by these three teams, and obviously I'm a fan of one of them. I'm saying a horrible job. I understand that you wanted uh, Dable, horrible execution, but I I love that he's right now in his position, the carrier of the message right now. Yeah.
2: No, completely. No, completely agree. Yeah. I mean, again, time will tell with this whole situation. I know th- I don't know if he can. Win a lawsuit against the three teams. Mm-hmm. I don't think he can win a lawsuit against the NFL. I think he can definitely bring light to the fact that people are getting paid to lose. Yeah, I think that's that, that's the next. That that's is next. a huge issue that stems f- that mm-hmm. stems even further. First it's, off, do
1: you think it's real? I've because a... I don't know why Hugh Jackson would randomly come out and say, "Oh yeah, Cleveland Browns paid me fifty thousand dollars and co-signing with this guy." And what realistically, what I want to know is, over the last five years, two organizations that aren't the Dolphins and the Browns have w- worse loss records than them. So if if the Dolphins head coach and Brian Flores and the Browns head coach in Hugh Jackson, when he was there, are getting paid fifty or a hundred thousand dollars each loss, then then what the hell was Adam Gase and Ben
2: McAdoo, Pat Shermer, and Joe Judge getting? I, it's I don't I don't know. Like I man. I do think there I think there could legitimately be truth behind that. There's been rumors for years that you know NFL is paying people to throw games or that the league it's is the scripted process. or whatever. I'm sure Trust Gase must
0: have been getting paid handsomely because it's he, he's having a fun time being a high school coach now. Yeah. Yeah. So well, he that's must the be thing. Well. And
2: me and Joe are just talking. I mean, Joe Judge probably got you know enough money to retire for. Deploying yeah, that QB the, sneak yeah, QB on the... QB sneaks two
0: yeah, in a row. Yeah, no, yeah. and that, that, and he was able to pay for pizza and beer for all the fired... Uh, <laughs> that is true. ...fired employees. That's so that true. He,
2: and, hey, Logan Ryan and DJ were there. Maybe that's it's just, it's one of those things where the, where the NFL has this very big issue where it's scary to, like, speak out on things. And this isn't mm-hmm. even a racial thing. This is, like, a systemic problem in the league of the fact that games are being thrown. Yeah.
0: Well, that's my concern because I had a couple friends that... um. Raised the idea – well, actually, they didn't raise the idea. They brought to my attention that the NFL could be pursuing a lottery now, a lottery-type draft like the NBA has. I
1: actually
2: I, – I thought about that in the beginning. They, of they're one of the, I think that's Are they the, They're, like, the only major sports league that doesn't do a lottery, yes? Does baseball? Baseball, do, baseball does yeah, do a lottery, yes. does yes. they? So they're the only ones that don't do I'm it,
1: confused it, in how the ba- – like, I, 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 I I'm into like the, the baseball the league when it actually – like, when they get to – the MLB, but I don't. I would never really was was too keen on how the draft actually
2: worked because I know well, the you draft can draft like, people right from oh, high school. It's just giraffes.
0: like any other draft, but there's a ton of rounds, ton yeah. of prospects. You I know go there's, like the eight, pro- there's like like You got to go through lot. the whole minor league system.
2: Yep. I think here's the thing: if it comes out that Brian Flores' accusations of being paid and it's Hugh Jackson's now, if they come out as true. I think you will see the league try and start implementing a lottery system or you want an anti-tanking system. Investigate every
1: team that was horrible for multiple years.
2: I don't even know. Well, that's the th- well. I mean, yeah. Well, you've got this fifty-eight-page lawsuit. You might as well spend some mm-hmm. time on that. Yeah, I think well. that. I mean, the most damning part is obviously the racial, the racial yeah. allegations. But even if those get disproved, there's some other stuff that he has talked about that is like eye-opening. Specifically. Getting paid for losses, that shouldn't be happening. Yep. I mean, I think that the way that the NFL has done it, where just the team with the worst record gets it, is perfectly been fine. I mean, it's worked out well. I think a lottery system for other leagues works well. But the way the NFL does it, it also works well. But if it comes out that teams have actually been paying people to lose, then you have to change that and you have to get rid of yep. that. Like it would suck because 100%. you know the the lottery system, depending on how you do it could be very ineffective and could be very imp- – it could be very partial. It could not be yeah. – it could see, be – Of course.
0: It's different with football because usually when you see a team full-out tanking, or at least if they appear to be tanking, there's one big need, and it's the quarterback position. Nine times out of ten, that's what it seems to be. Sometimes it'll be, you know, rookie quarterback struggles because maybe the Jaguar situation, they're just horrible, or the Jets, they're just terrible, they're not a good roster. There could be that situation, but 9 times out of 10, it comes down to needing a quarterback. So personally, I don't really have a problem with tanking. I feel like it's a scheme. It's a strategy. If you if you already suck, if you're 0-8, 0-9, 1-10, something like that, around the halfway point of the season, and you know that you need a quarterback and there's a guy up there at number 1, number 2 that you could snag, but there are some other teams that need quarterbacks right below you, I have no problem with tanking. I, I, I just want no say- problem
2: with tanking either. The main thing that I have a problem with is if they're getting paid it's to tank. It's a scheme. Because yes. you, you have to tank, get to exactly. tank strategically. Exactly. There's a way to easily strategically tank where you just you offload all of your older but still good pieces, yeah. and you can I, bring I, in other I guys. I also yeah. want
1: to say, I mean, we're going to get to the NBA in a, in a few minutes just because we're running a little bit on time right now. Um, I do want to say that the, the 76ers process would have worked if they drafted anyone
2: other than Ben Simmons. Yeah, we talked about we've talked about yeah. this a couple of times. Uh, yeah. yeah, I think I don't want to see the lottery get in, uh, introduced just because the way the league has it, and there are teams that desperately need key pieces, and if they get mm-hmm. you know screwed out of that because of a lottery system, yeah.
0: it's a whole scheme. It's part. It has to be an organizational agreement where
2: that you're going to you, tank.
0: The coach and the front office are discussing and saying, "Hey, we'll keep you around for another year." but we don't want to win any more games. We want to get mm-hmm. that first round or that first pick of the draft, maybe top 5 pick of the draft to go and get a piece that we think could help you out. Mm-hmm. But it has to be an agreement between the coach and the organization because if the coach if he's not sure that he's going to keep his job, he's going to want to keep winning games.
2: I think that was yeah, so I think that was the thing with Brian Flores. That's too. the
0: thing. Yeah. That's why yeah. I believe he shouldn't have been Well, we it was a couple of years ago though where they mm-hmm. were trying to tank for two and then this year they came out with a bad start. Yep. Yeah. So he obviously wasn't being asked to tank there. I I just want to say,
1: um, th- this isn't. Uh, we're, we're gonna um, go to commercial real quick because we I want to get at least twenty to uh, solid minutes to talk about the NBA trade deadline and overrated players, as we will get to. Um, I just want to know. I just this isn't the last time we're gonna talk about this. This lawsuit is going to be the biggest. I mean, if if Aaron Rodgers goes to another team, maybe if. Um, the certain someone who I'm going to uh, give us at least a, like at most a sentence about because it did happen a little bit while ago but if this certain someone wants to come back in the league um, that might be a story but this is probably going to be the biggest story of the NFL offseason before we bring it to break though um, it's worth mentioning opinions just real quick um, Tom Brady did uh, actually, admit his retirement. I don't know if we talked about that last week because it, I don't remember when the Schefter thing came out. Um, but just gi- give about a sentence or two about what this means for uh, what he meant for the league, and then where do you think the Buccaneers go from here?
0: As far as I'm concerned, he is the greatest athlete to ever pick up a ball in any sport. I'll say it. I'll defend it That's against bold. anybody. That's He's bold. the greatest athlete to ever compete in any sport, ever. Now, I know that our, defini- our definition of athlete will contrast. People are concerned about different physicality aspects. I'm concerned about his ability to compete and win games, and that's what Tom Brady was. He was a winner. Mm-hmm. So it's going to suck not seeing see him around personally. I love seeing what he was doing as a 44, 45-year-old guy just going out and still just beating up on guys our age. 20, 23-year-old, 24-year-old players that couldn't compete with a dude that was twice their age, and he was still going out. He left the game playing at an MVP level, which is incredible. Mm -hmm. So it wasn't a matter of whether or not he could still do it. It was just the fact that, you know, he's got a family to go to, and it's getting to that time where, you know, he's missing a huge part of his kid's uh, childhood. So I guess it was time to go. He felt that it was time. He could have definitely played another at least three years. Who knows how long he could have played for.
2: Absolutely. I mean, here's the thing. I can complete. i hated when the Steelers were going against Tom Brady. I hated mm-hmm. the man. On every team that he was on, I would hate that team. But I have nothing but respect for just the legacy that he leaves on the game of football and sports in general. He's arguably probably the greatest quarterback of all time, the greatest— Football player of all time. I don't know about greatest athlete, I and mean, you got guys like Wayne Gretzky. I go Michael defend. Phelps. I Michael, defend. I Michael Phelps. Michael Phelps. With there, you've got got. I mean, then again, the definition of athlete gets kind of, yeah, kind of shady. Shaky. It's a little shaky. But he, I mean, he did so much for the league. I mean, the gate controversies aside, he, he really. I mean, he brought the Patriots up from essentially nothing. I mean, he mm. brought them. He went. He brought them from What's zero Super Bow- He George brought them Rudy. from zero Super Bowls to six. He has... More Super Bowls than any team mm-hmm. in the league himself. He's a great player. A fantastic player. Easily Hall of Famer, no question. Where the Buccaneers go from here is a huge question because Gronk probably leaves now. That's the only reason he can Arians gone. I don't know. Arians gone. Because he was going to retire too.
0: I wouldn't expect Arians to stay around you. left Leftwich maybe. which left left is, is
2: definitely going to leave.
0: Probably. Winston return? Yeah. Question mark? Oh, my God. <laughs>
2: no. <laughs> it's just, so the Buccaneers are going to have some rebuilding to do. I do... I do like the promise or the talent that Kyle Trash showed in the preseason. Mm. But he's nowhere near ready. They're going to be I mean they missed their they missed their chance for a repeat. They missed their chance to, you know, make some more noise. Yep. But just heck of a career for Tom Brady. I mean, he's going to be missed in the game. The yeah. Bucs
0: are about to go off a cliff. I'll tell you that much. they to cover the Bucs. Yes. Bucs are, are going to lose They're
1: going to going to make the Carolina Panthers look The like,
0: NFC South is going to be horrendous. Yeah. It's going to yep. be terrible. I am not know about Sam Darnold is going to lead the Panthers to a yeah. <laughs> Well, okay, if the, a if the Panthers <laughs> get a Panthers quarterback, if the Panthers get a quarterback they may, they may as well they may be the uh the team to beat in the south if they get a quarterback. Well, oh, the know, Panthers been, easily are. They've been in talks with Watson for a potential well, trade what you're there. What you
2: First thing they need to do is they need to get rid of Matt Rule. He's awful. Yeah. And then get a quarterback.
0: Yep. All right. Uh I mean for for
1: best athlete For dominance of his sport and dominance of the Olympics, I go Michael Phelps just because that man literally owned the Olympics as a whole his entire career. Um, But I go, I mean, Tom Brady owns football. The only record that I can think of that he has yet to do if he wants to come back and do it is more playoff wins than any other franchise because he misses, I believe, the Packers or the Steelers. I forget which one's ahead of him. And the Patriots by two. So if he gets – he's 36. If he gets the 39, who – 38 is what the Patriots are at. Obviously, he has all – if you take Tom Brady's Patriots wins away from him, it's – you know, he already beat it. But that's the only record, and he will go on. You'll never see another Tom Brady. And he has basically owned the NFL ever since he was drafted. Don't go anywhere, though. We're going to sit back to NBA for a quick minute. Don't go anywhere.
0: Men need to stay on the field or on the couch where they belong. Leave the broadcasting to the women. You want to listen to a real football show? Tune in to the Gridiron Girls every Thursday, 420 to 450, right here on Palm Radio. Do you want to step into the alternate realities in the sports world? Well, tune into What If Sports on Com Radio with Logan Barandis, Eric Fenstermaker, and Mac Young on Wednesdays from 8:10 to 8:40 p.m. Step into the realm of the unknown and explore the endless possibilities of the sports world here on Com Radio.
1: I don't want to. I hate. I hate going and, and tag, attacking people's intelligence, but I do
0: it all the time this is Joe sometimes Joe gets into bad moods and attacks people's intelligence please be nice to Joe except every Thursday from 245 to 345 on phone booth com radio sports debate talk show then we give you every right to be mean to Joe.
2: We all know that Mondays can be difficult. Fortunately for you, New York fans, New York State of Mind has you covered. Join Mitch and Pat every week, 7 to 8, as we talk the latest in East Coast sports. It's New York State of Mind here on Com Radio.
0: to Com Radio Sports Debate show Phone Booth every Thursday from 2:45 to
1: 3:45 Welcome back to Phone Booth where apparently you have the golden ticket to be mean to me um, as per Grant Sheets, we're going to have about 10 minutes or 15 minutes to go through the NBA trade deadline talks. Grant, you say that you have a bit of source rumors about a certain player that might get traded. Um, lay it on us.
0: Well, that certain player is pretty close to my heart, Uh, hometown player, Bradley Beal. Rumored that the Philadelphia 76ers are very interested Ooh. in Beal. And obviously since the beginning of the season, uh, the Wizards had that hot start and then really, really cooled off. We've seen Beal banged up a little bit here and there. Spencer Dinwiddie has not been great. It's been Kyle Kuzma, who's been pretty solid ever since coming over from L.A. But now Beal in rumors. We've seen him rumored at the deadline for the past few years. But you start to think that this might be the year that they finally pulled the trigger. And the Sixers apparently said that they would trade Simmons for Beal. And that might be that superstar player that they're finally looking for to swap for Ben Simmons because they've been holding on to him. They've been holding on tight, and they've been really tentative when it comes to certain deals that have been proposed. They want that all-star player, that immediate superstar that they can plug into a lineup and say, hey, we can put this guy with Joel Embiid, and it could translate to immediate success. So I can see it happening. I don't know if the Wizards will finally pull the trigger on Beal and go full rebuild. But I don't know. We'll see. see.
1: I don't know. I, I've heard a lot of rumors coming out of who the 76ers want to trade Simmons for. Whether or not they do it, I don't think they do it this season. I, Just because if they I don't do, think the I price think is going to be right. I think it's going to. I think Bill has the best shot. I've also heard Daryl Morey still wants to go after James Harden, and James Harden doesn't apparently doesn't like living in Brooklyn. Wonder why. Um, <laughs> and do, can't work with the players in Brooklyn again. Wonder why. Um, and just to to go into Bradley Beal, there was a, there was a stint where there was talks. I don't know how true they were because number one, it was supposed to be either Buddy Healed or DeMar DeRozan, but apparently the Wizards had a trade set for every single, basically every single role player of LAL, including THT. For Bradley Beal, when the LA Wizards trade went in and they didn't want to get rid of THT, which again, we talked about the funniest yep. part about all of that is now they want to trade THT. But the reason why they didn't take that was because the Lakers did not want to get rid of THT and they had a package. that was like, okay, we won't give you Beal if you won't give us THT, but we'll give you Westbrook. So we're like, okay, so we'll do Westbrook. And uh, instead of taking the Buddy Heal trade or the DeMar DeRozan trade, uh, AD and LeBron urged uh, Vogel and Buss to go after Russell Westbrook, and then we're seeing how that plays out. We've talked about that multiple weeks, and we, we're we not stopping. Um, not this week, though. Um, but again, I, I feel like that trade works out. I feel like if, if Joel Embiid gets an actual guard that can ball handle, that is... A little bit. I mean, he's obviously going to be a, a big hit to the defensive side, but we haven't really seen – I mean, Thibault is very good on defense.
0: They don't so. want to get rid of Thibault. Or, or yeah, Tyree yeah, exactly. exactly. But
2: that's the issue. You're not going to be able to just offload Ben Simmons for Bradley yeah, you're, you're going to have gonna to get a, more. You're going to need to add more. And Darryl Moore needs to understand that, is that he's going to have to add a lot more. Not mm-hmm. necessarily a lot more, but you need to if add If I'm someone. a GM, I don't touch Simmons. You don't touch Simmons, but he'd be – I mean, he'd be fine for Washington. I mean, if you want to possibly see if Ben Simmons would play for Washington and then get a nice young piece for Bradley Beal because Bradley Beal is one of the best guards Facts. or underrated guards as well in the league. I mean, He's he underrated because of the teams that he had been on. He hasn't had a consistent big man to since ever. the life of
0: being a Washington sports fan yeah. where you watch stars come when, in and out and get no sort of awareness. Yeah, When the was the last time you
1: or. guys had a legit big man in the paint?
0: Well, Montrose Harrell's actually been pretty good.
1: Yeah, but I'm talking about big man. Consistent, like Like a pick-and-roll big man. Like
0: a big, big. Well, Gafford's pretty good. He just doesn't – he splits time with Thomas Bryant, who actually just got hurt again. Yeah, Legit big man? Mm -hmm. I've been saying this for years. We have not had a legitimate top 10 big man since I've been alive.
1: Yeah. Really. That's what I'm saying. The team has been small ball – since before small ball was small ball. Well, we've
0: gone through. We've had guys like Nene and marching Gortat, just these fill-in players for years mm-hmm. and years. And Two guards were John Wall and Bradley Beal. Exactly. We've been always this huge, dominant big man away or just a really, really good rim protector away mm-hmm. from being a great team. But every offseason, they fail to go out and get this guy. Now, I don't think that Bradley Beal, getting rid of him – wouldn't make matters any better because this team already has a lot of forwards. Mm-hmm. So to go and offload that with a Simmons deal, I don't know. They would need to package another guard in he there. You would need
1: to play Simmons at the four.
0: Exactly. Simmons would have to play the four. That's where Simmons should be playing yeah. in the first yeah. place. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's where he should be playing. But the thing is we already have a lot of Fords. I shouldn't say we. I'm, I'm not part of the Washington Wizards organization. Yeah. But
1: I said we with the Gems.
0: <laughs> the Wizards in general have a lot of forwards. They've got Rui Hachimura. They've got... Well, Thomas Bryant can play either the four or the five, but he's been playing mainly the five. Mm-hmm. Um, they've got Montrez Harrell, like I was saying. You've got Kuzma now, who's playing forward as well. This is a very forward-heavy team. So to come in and get Simmons... They would need to package another guard in there because it, it would not make any sense. And here's
2: the thing: that's why Tyrese Maxey makes the most sense. But to they're try so and add. hesitant to trade another mm-hmm. but guard. But they should. That's they the thing, if you I should, don't. Should, I don't. If, I don't put in
1: Thibault at all. I don't. I think to th- too th- too uh, benefit like too, he's valuable, too, benef- to too defensive valuable to the defense the
2: Sixers, and he's a f- another forward. Yes. I mean, he could play the two, but he's not. It's not really the way that mm-hmm. he plays. That's far from ideal. Yeah, exactly. Here's the thing. If you're the Sixers and you're in win-mow mode because you're done with the process, the process is no more, yeah. you have You can restart it, but Philly would hate you. You don't want to you. restart that. Joel Embiid is a, is exactly. a great guy to build yeah. a franchise around. You have the pieces. Mm-hmm. You're a guard away. You're you're a guard away. And Bradley shoot. Beal is that guard yeah. for the Sixers. I think
1: it's worth noting that when, when the 76ers don't have Ben Simmons crying in the corner, number one, they're a championship-level team. But even if he is crying in the corner like he is right now, they're the two seed in the East. And the exactly. East is marginally better than the West. We wouldn't this year. have to
2: have this conversation if they didn't do the poor decision of getting rid of Jimmy Butler a few years ago. Exactly. Right? We wouldn't have to get, we if they we got, have got
1: to have, rid of Simmons instead of Butler, this team would have already had a championship under their belt. Exactly.
2: One hundred percent. Here's the thing: if you're Daryl Morey, you have to understand that to win a championship, to win it with your process, you have to get rid of young pieces mm-hmm. to come get good pieces that can win you championships. Yeah. Right now, you you're either a young team in a rebuild. Or you're an old team ready to win now. It's
0: seemingly the new trend of the NBA. You build up a team with really young pieces. You get a wide variety of guys who can play and come fill in a role. Pretty solid all-around team. But then eventually, what's going to put you over the edge? You have to trade these resources that you rebuild with to go and get an established superstar. And that's what happens a lot. Year. It
2: happens in the NHL a lot all the time, too. Yeah. You have these young teams that they rebuild for years. Mm-hmm. The, the NHL does rebuilding or teams do rebuilding and salary cap and all that stuff better than the NBA because the NBA has a very soft salary cap and it yep. makes super teams very easy to, yeah. mm-hmm. to come to fruition. But the 76ers have a legitimate chance here to prove that the process yep. worked. Granted, Ben Simmons was a failure. We've discussed that way too much. But if you're going to get rid of Ben Simmons, I don't see any problem with getting rid of Tyrese Maxey. Sure, he's a, a, he's an exciting young, exciting player to watch and he could be a very good guard in the future. But he needs to go on a team that's rebuilding and a team that's actually gonna use him.
1: See, if you get a guard to put it the one, and if you have the back the front court that you have right now, and you put Thyball at three, you put I mean, whoever you want it to, whoever you get like a role player at two, and you get a star studded one as Bradley Beal could be, or if you want to put Bradley Beal to two, he's gonna Ideally, be your ball. Bradley Beale be Beal is too. probably Well, would be, he would be the ball handle anyway. Uh,
2: he's one of the best two spots besides Clay yeah, Thompson, sure. lead. yeah. Without mm-hmm. a question. Either
1: way, though, you put a roll at the other guard, and you you roll with a star-studded, talented shooter on the Seventy Sixers,
2: and you roll to the championship. Bradley Beal and Joel Embiid alone, and Batiste Stiebel could easily yep. get you a ring. Mm-hmm. It's, you're beating the Bucks. I can tell you that right now. I be- still think that it, you're if- beating the Bucks, especially now that they don't have. um did they lose in the off-season? Oh, um, Park PJ Tucker. PJ Tucker. Yep. Yes. PJ Tucker was a really good role player yep. for them, a very good defensive player. Mm-hmm. They has been, I mean, the same thing. You put him at, That's the reason why the Rockets put him at center. Yeah, no, it's just like if you're. I mean, I'm not a Philly fan, but I can, I, I don't know any Philly fan that wouldn't immediately get rid of Ben Simmons yep. and Tyrese Maxey for Bradley Beal. You I'd give, even throw I'd like give sec, up Ben you, Simmons for literal chips. You've seen you the could the throw potential. in a second round pick in there; it would still be a good yep. tr- even trade for You've both what teams. What Bradley
0: Beal brings to the table.
2: He brings a lot to the table. At his you're,
0: best, when he's at the top of his game, there's not many guards that play better basketball than him. There's, I could count on one hand.
2: Was it last year the year before where he had a stretch where he was getting last like— Last year
0: where he went on that tremendous run. with like um, he, he didn't make the All-Star game, came out of the All-Star break, and was just ridiculous. Yeah, because Absolutely the Washington ridiculous. Wizards
1: were, were kind of in that state where you were trying to figure out how the hell Russell Westbrook was going to fit in your team. And then second half, Russ came in— immediate fruition with Bradley Beal, he got into a role with them because he started to, you know, trade off
2: and they became a playoff team. No, it's just... This would be a much different conversation right now. Imagine... I mean, here's the thing. There's no way that the 76ers would be able to get Bradley Beal if they didn't still have Ben Simmons mm-hmm. and younger pieces. 100%. But just for the sake of imagination, because I have a very vivid imagination, I would die to see Joel Embiid, Bradley Beal, and Jimmy Butler on the same team. Exactly. I think that would be (laughs) immediately a a dynasty. Mm -hmm. Immediately. It's like All-Star Game. Yeah. You can't stop that. You have a bonafide star on his own with Jimmy Butler and Joel Mm -hmm. Embiid. Jimmy Butler was the only— The only problem with Jimmy Butler
1: is he's very inefficient from three at times, and he's streaky, but if you have that Yeah, but so is
2: Ben Simmons, and Jimmy Butler's a lot better player than Ben Simmons.
1: yeah. And you have that guy with Bradley Beal and Joel Embiid, who are too consistent. I mean, at least Joel Embiid is one of the most efficient big men we've seen. Because it's so easy,
2: all you have to do. Joel Embiid is hard to guard by his own. Jimmy Butler is a very efficient paint. Paint driver. Do you
0: leave just, Jimmy Butler alone one on one, there's going to be issues. Yeah. There's going to be issues, and if exactly. you have, if, and if you're someone facing Joel Embiid one on one in the paint, yeah, it's going to be issues. Yep. And if you if problem. you're
2: doubling Joel Embiid, or if you have to double and have to, someone has to come and cover, can't guard them all. Jimmy Butler, Bradley Beal would be wide open. Granted, yep. this is again completely hypothetical because mm-hmm. it can't happen because the 76ers got rid of Jimmy Butler and kept Ben Simmons. Mm-hmm. But even without Jimmy Butler, your team. With Bradley Bill is immediately ten times yep. better. Immediately, and it should be done.
1: Yeah, unfortunately, we are running out of time. But I mean, uh, again, this, th- these, these things, we're not going to stop talking about. As we get into the stint after the Super Bowl, we're going to have the one show where we're going to talk a lot about the Super Bowl and a lot about what's going to happen with the head coachings. But there's going to be a block where most of the show right now is NFL, just because that's what's happening right now. We're going to get into a hockey basketball stint. So. These uh, obviously after the trade deadline goes, we're gonna say, all right, well, if Ben Simmons doesn't get dealt, what what happens? If he does get dealt, how does it work? Again, this this conversation isn't gonna go away. The only things that I w- do want to mention before we go is uh, the Warriors struggles just because they're in a slump, but they'll probably be back. James Harden is the second most overrated player in the league now that the rules are actually not dumb first is really go Uh Nets aren't going to the finals neither are the Lakers. And A Wiggins does not deserve to be in the starting lineup of the All-Star game. Um if you, you heard disagree it there, folks. Yeah, I mean we'll we'll talk about that during the week of the actual All-Star hey, break. What do we say, Joe? Hey, if you disagree, disagree there's a th- I, I, literally right now I'm staring at an open seat. So, <laughs> I mean, th- there's always one I mean, we might have a full 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 cast next week as a Eric Fenstermaker the has phone said, is getting crowded. "Yeah, he said, I I tell you one thing. I mean, I was said I almost had in the con- uh, in the commercial. Apparently, he wanted it to be in the commercial. That I won't so change that the commercial.
2: It. He was not going to veto. It. He wasn't going to get mad if you left I, it
1: in. I I will say that all we need is Tim Rogers to hop on with Josh, and we've overtaken the Sinbin, If, <laughs> if I mean, if Cherish wants a good 2 we'll have a five person show, and we'll just well, have at a crossover that point, it just episode. Becomes the
2: Sinbin, because we will overrun it with hockey.
1: Yeah, true." That that will be a that will be a, a little bit of an issue, but hey, I'm all for I'm all for uh wait, wait, I'm all for crossover have somehow. to yeah. grow the game. Anyway, thank you for listening. If you're listening on, you know, I, I kind of slacked on the Spotify and the and the uh, online streaming sites because I literally just posted last week's today. So uh, if you're listening on, you know, iHeartRadio, Spotify, wherever. Um, there are two episodes this week for you. If you've already listened to them live or whatever, kudos to you. You get it early. Thank you for listening. We'll be back on Thursday at 2.30, 2.45, somewhere around there. Thank you for listening and have a good one. Actually, stay tuned for the Gridiron Girls if you want to listen to more NFL talk because they'll go off for hours. Thank you for listening.